What a wonderful gospel we have today. This is Jesus' third appearance to the apostles, and of course it's the third Sunday of Easter when we the season when we uh, celebrate the resurrection of Christ, and so it's fitting that the, the day and the reading are very, very appropriate for one another. Today we see the spotlight on St. Peter, and uh, what's at question here is his vocation, his calling, to be shepherd and to be a martyr, to be a shepherd and to be a martyr. Jesus is actually speaking about Peter's martyrdom, and he's, he's doing it in a kind of veiled fashion here. It's that whole bit about, you know, when you get, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you would. When you get older, someone else is going to dress you and take you where you don't want to go. What's that all about? It's actually a reference to Jesus's, I'm sorry, to Peter's, uh, eventual martyrdom. Peter would be crucified, just like his Lord, in Rome. Not in Jerusalem, but in Rome. He would be crucified about 30, 35 years after. Jesus gave him this prophecy of, of the manner in which he would be martyred. Our translation says, when you are older, you will stretch forth your hands and another will dress you. And that's a fine translation, but a more literal translation that actually conveys a symbolic meaning uh, more clearly is it should be this. When you are older, you will stretch forth your hands and another will gird you, meaning tie you something around your waist. Okay. Uh, and they'll lead you where you don't want to go. And that's a reference to the manner by which those who were to be crucified were humiliated publicly in Rome. And how it would work would, would be they would have to carry the cross beam of the cross, so they'd have to stretch forth their hands. Sometimes their hands were even fashioned, I'm sorry, fastened to the cross beam before they were even set upright on the, on the upright beam. And they were led through the streets. And so they had uh, what's called the titulus, which would be the, the accusation of their crime on a big board, and it would hang around their neck and around their head, or I'm sorry, around their, so it would be kind of like at their chest level. And then a rope would be fastened around their waist, and they would be pulled through the streets that way. Okay, and So that's actually how the criminals were crucified uh, in Rome. And this, was, this is the fate that Peter uh, is going to have to embrace as Christ's martyr. We also see Peter as universal shepherd, as the shepherd theme going on here. We go back to John chapter 10 and Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life. Okay, so the good shepherd lays down his life. And then a few chapters later, the Last Supper, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, I will lay down my life. Okay, he's saying, I'm going to be the shepherd that you want me to be. And Jesus says to him, will you really lay down your life? Uh, before the cock crows once, you will deny me three times. And so as we know, a few chapters later, Peter goes on and, and he denies that he knows Jesus. It's very interesting here. This triple denial is countered by a triple confession of love. And this is why Jesus sort of uh, keeps pushing Peter's button and sort of annoys him and gets him to say, I love you three times, because it's in reparation for the three denials. Okay, so counterbalance is the three denials. Also very interesting, the three confessions of love for Christ are made in the presence of a charcoal fire. Okay, it's a very precise word that's translated charcoal. There's only one other word in the whole Bible. There's only one other passage in the whole Bible where that 
particular word appears, and that's a few chapters earlier in, in the Gospel of John, where Peter is warming his hands over a charcoal fire as he denies Jesus three times. Okay, so in the very place that Jesus, that Peter denies Jesus, warming his hands over a charcoal fire, now Jesus is by a charcoal fire and he's getting Peter to uh, make good on those three denials by confessing three times that he loves him. And so Peter, who's the not-so-good shepherd because he wasn't willing to lay down his life, is now willing to lay down his life, is now willing to go to the cross in imitation of his master. Something very important, though. In connection with Jesus' requirement of Peter to profess his faith to him, he says, he's got a command. He says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, okay? So the idea here is, Peter, if you love me, if you love God, that love is going to be demonstrated in your service to the people of God, to the flock, okay? And as we know as Christians, we cannot say that we love God if we do not love our neighbor. And uh, Peter's way of showing his love for his neighbor and hence his love for God is by ministering to the people of God, is by being that universal shepherd of the church and loving the people of God so much that he's willing to lay down his life uh, for them. How did this happen? How does, how does Peter go from being this guy who's all about preserving his life and he denies Jesus and suddenly he now really is ready to lay down his life and he really does lay down his life? Okay, 35 years after Christ made this prophecy, Peter would, in fact, lay down his life. There's a, a It doesn't show up in the Bible, but it's a tradition that I think comes down to us on, on good testimony and good, good evidence that uh, the people, the Christians of Rome, pleaded with Peter to leave during Nero's persecution around the year 65 AD. And he took their advice, okay, so he was getting ready to leave, and he's going out the city of Rome, and as he's passing through the gates of the city of Rome, he sees, he has a vision of Jesus walking into Rome, carrying his cross. And Peter says to, to Jesus in the vision, Lord, where are you going? And in the Latin tradition, it's quo vadis, and there was a movie 40, 50 years ago about this, quo vadis. Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says to Peter, I'm going... Uh, back into Rome to be crucified again. And Peter gets the message in his mind, oh, okay, he's, Jesus is going to be crucified again in me. And so Peter turns around and he goes and he submits to the Roman authorities and they, they crucify him. And so Jesus' life and his mysteries are being reenacted through Peter. And, and Peter's got the courage to embrace that mystery of the cross. How? How? It's through the resurrection. It's the mystery of Easter that enables St. Peter to take a 180-degree turn and totally change his mind. Okay, Before Jesus' resurrection, Peter was in the mindset of, oh my gosh, if I give my life, there's going to be no more of me. And that's the fear that we have. You know, when the Lord calls us to give of ourselves, we think, well, no, I can't. There's only so much of me to go around. I've, I've got to really limit. I've got to ration out how generous I am and how loving I am towards my spouse, towards the community, towards my children, towards the church, towards whoever it might be. No, no, no. There's, uh, there's only so much of myself that I can give. Okay? And uh, Peter had that kind of mindset. 
But after he sees Christ risen from the dead, he comes to understand that giving all that you have in the here and the now, you're actually not losing anything. You're in fact securing for yourself everything that you could possibly want forever in the future. Jesus says in the Gospels, he who seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will preserve it, will keep it into eternal life. And the Lord's resurrection from the dead proves that to Peter. So Peter's now, he's got the courage to be able to give his all, even to the point of death. What's this, what's this thing to a little, a little more point here in the gospel passage? It's very interesting. You can see Peter, his whole mindset is, is changed. He's ready to work for the Lord. He gets up on the, on the boat and he tucks in his, uh, his garments that were loose and he jumps in and he swims and he's trying to go, he's going towards Jesus. Now in the ancient audience, the ancient readers would have looked at that and that whole thing of Peter, you know, tucking in his cloak and girding himself up would have signified to them, okay, this guy's ready to work. That's what that means. He's ready to work. And as universal shepherd of the church, he's going to have to work. I like, too, and this is an important point, he takes the net of fish and he drags it up on the shore. He's a pretty strong guy. Peter's got to be a pretty strong guy. All single-handedly, he takes that whole net. How many fish in the net? Do you guys remember? Kind of weird, right? 153. What is that all about? 153 fish, right? There's an ancient commentator, St. Jerome, who says that the ancient zoologists, now their, their scientific knowledge was not as precise as, it, as ours is today. Okay, so you gotta give them a break. But in the ancient, the ancient Greek zoologists said that there were 153 different varieties of fish in existence. Okay? And so the idea is that there's 153 different kinds of fish. And the net symbolizes, Peter's net symbolizes the church. Okay? And so we're the fish. We got all different varieties of fish out here, right? I'm one kind of fish. You guys are all different kinds of fish. I don't know if we got a hundred. We got 130 different varieties of fish right in this building right now, okay? And so Peter has got to learn that he's got to carry the burden of all the differences and the variety and the different types of people. We encounter all these different kinds of personalities in the church and in the world, and we can't play favorites and we can't discriminate. All right? Love, God's love encompasses all those different kinds of personalities and peoples. And it embraces them all and it brings them all together in unity. The unity of God's goodness, the unity of God's love. My brothers and sisters, we're not going to be called to be the Pope. We're not going to be called to be a martyr. Possibly we will, but most likely not. Nonetheless, we are all called to show the love, the same love, of God in service to our neighbor that Peter was called. St. John Paul II says, and I love this saying, I could sit and think about this for hours, he says that we love to the extent that we see ourselves as responsible for our neighbor. We love to the extent that we see ourselves as responsible for our neighbor. Sometimes we get into the mindset of it's you know, me and mine versus you and yours, and I could care less about you, and it's all about me, and I'm, I'm not, I don't, you're not, your business, that's yours, I'm not responsible for you. It's, it's really not the truth. We are all connected with one another. We're not in competition with each other. 
We are all members of one body. And we need to see ourselves as, in truth, responsible for each other. There's a mentality, what I call a mentality of scarcity, that we can kind of fall into. And it kind of goes like this. It's almost a subconscious mentality. It's not sometimes a really explicit mentality. It's sort of like this. Subconsciously, we think to ourselves, there's only so much good to go around, and I've got to get what's coming to me and mine. Okay? And I'm in competition with others. If someone else gets something good, there's good for them, that means less good for me. See, there's scarcity of goodness. It's not true, though, my brothers and sisters, because God is the ultimate good. And God is infinite. There's more than enough of God's goodness to go around. And more goodness for you means more goodness for me. We are members of one another. More goodness for me means more goodness for you. We're not in competition with one another. My neighbor's good is mine and mine is his. And so without any kind of fear, without any selfish sense of self-preservation, we can give and we can love unlimitedly. And we can do that without fear, without reservation. And we can open up ourselves. Just as Christ opened up his arms in the cross to embrace the whole world in love, just as St. Peter was called to stretch forth his hands on his own cross. We too are called to that cruciform love in which we embrace all the different kinds of fish that are out there and not play favorites and not discriminate, but to give, knowing that when we give our all, we will receive our that life that we give will be given back to us in a resurrected form of infinite everlasting life and goodness and joy and peace. This is the Easter lesson of the resurrection that Peter learned, and this is the Easter lesson of the resurrection that we ourselves must learn.